This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by CodeShip.com. Don't you wish you could simply deploy your code every time your test pass? Wouldn't it be nice if it were tied to a nice continuous integration system? That's CodeShip. They run your code. If all your tests pass, they deploy your code automatically. For fast, free, continuous delivery, check them out at CodeShip.com. Continuous delivery made simple. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Ruby Rogues link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to Widgmo.com and check them out. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 136 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from the very southern bowels of Grovo. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Just want to give you a quick reminder, if you text JSRemoteConf to 38470, then you can get information about the JavaScript conference that I am pulling together, or you can go to JSRemoteConf.com and uh, sign up. It'll be after work if you're in the U.S., and should be a good time. Got some awesome speakers lined up. We also have a special guest this week, and that is Eduardo Lundgren. Uh, hello. Do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, awesome. My name is Eduardo Lundgren. I currently work in a company called Liferay. It's based in LA. Although I live in Brazil, and we currently take care of the branches all down there. We have four different branches there. Uh, one in Recife, which is where I live, and another in Sao Paulo. I have been contributing to open source for a few years, since 2007. I've been involved pretty much in Java projects, PHP projects, and then I started to like JavaScript and front-end development around this time. So I started to contribute to projects like jQuery and jQuery UI. Uh, I was responsible for uh, dragging, sorting, resizing, and all those uh, little pieces for jQuery UI, and it was very good. I learned a lot by this time. In 2008, I released a library called jQuery Simulate. And this was basically because we didn't have a good way to test front-end applications on the browser. I like to tell the browser, click here, drag and drop this node from X, five pixels to Z, whatever. And this library allows you to simulate and create a real event in the browser like someone was creating if they are pressing a key or clicking a mouse. So it's called jQuery Simulate. In 2009, I moved forward to YY Library from Yahoo company, and we built a library called Alloy UI. It's a framework that is built on top of this YY3 version of Yahoo, and it has around 50 widgets, like scheduler, models, state pickers, and so forth, in order to allow you to use those in your application. And yeah, that's it. And now I have the Tracking JS project, which is this computer vision library that we are going to talk about today. 
Very cool. Looks like uh, Joe Eames also joined us. Hey. Anyway, so Tracking JS is a computer vision library. Now, when I think of computer vision, it's mostly like looking at images or videos and picking out particular things. Is that what this does, or is it more of a drawing and physics library? Yeah, so Tracking JS includes a bunch of algorithms that you can create solutions for computer vision. So in other terms, this means that we have algorithms to find key points on a picture or on a scene for the camera. So key points are important parts and invariant parts of the scene that I can use that information to match in other frames. So we also have libraries for matching those key points. So let's say you have two different frames in a video and you find all the key points, the important information in one video. And in the second frame of this video, we need to match them in order to combine the variables to resolve the math necessary in order to track the elements or to find elements in the scene. So yeah, in Tracking.js combines all these zero pieces of techniques that we can use them to find objects in a video or to find faces, find mouth, ear, eyes, this part on the scene. Very cool. I'm playing with the demo right now, and this is freak amazing. Like, I knew this kind of stuff was happening, but I did not realize that it had progressed this far. This is, like, on par with that C library that everybody uses, I think. Yeah, there is a very famous library in C called OpenCV. Yeah, that one. Yeah, OpenCV is very famous, although yeah. it doesn't run on the web. Yeah, it looks like you've got just tons of really great features in tracking JS. Yeah, I listed them here. We have uh, currently utilities to detect uh, features on a scene, like important parts of the scene. We also have feature descriptor, which is what matches information between the scenes. And they have examples on the website. I will put the links in the pics later on. Uh, we have helpers for image convolution, so you can process images like blur some image or transform an image to grayscale or things like that. We have also thing Sobel technique, which is a technique that extracts the edges on an image. So let's say you have your picture. I can extract just the edges like a kid is drawing your face on a paper like this. So we can extract that one. We have implemented Viola Jones. Viola Jones is a, a very popular face detection algorithms, object detection algorithms, which is very popular because it's very fast. It's also the ones used inside the that old digital ma machines to take pictures, the cameras. Remember a few years ago when you start to focus on a person, it shows little rectangles on the faces of them. So this algorithm is Viola Jones implemented on the hardware. And they could do that because it's a very efficient algorithms. And this one was the one we picked to bring to the web because of these characteristics. We also combine all those little utilities. We have color tracking and object tracking. So the color tracking, the name says already, we, you can find colors and you can define the colors you want to track. And the object tracker, you can train the Viola Jones algorithms to detect some objects. So currently we detect faces, eyes, mouth, but they have other trainings available on OpenCV project. We can get those trainings from OpenCV, their image database that they train their information. We can import to Tracking.js as well. So was there a project or something that prompted you to work on this? Or was it just, uh, hey, you know, people could really use something like this? Yeah, that was very, this is like a long story. So I started uh, the master's in computer science, but I'm not a computer scientist. I'm an electronic engineer. 
So when I started the computer science masters, I was trying to find something interesting to do. I didn't have any idea what which area to go. And then I met these people in the university that they were involved with augmented reality and computer vision. And this was very interesting because I like that the kind of subject is very like interesting. You can use math on algorithms, which is fun. And I started to play around with no intention to build anything, but ended up that in the end I had few techniques implemented in JavaScript on the web because I realized most of the techniques were in C, C++, and they were very, very hard to use. Uh, the API is like very long, no documentation. It's not like the kind of APIs web developers are used to use. And I would like to build this in a simpler way. And JavaScript was my choice. And by then it was very dangerous because we didn't even have get user media. And without get user media API, which is the specs that W3C is working on, that makes you available, you detect camera and audio from JavaScript without any plugin or third party installation. So it didn't have anything. So I used to test all the algorithms only Canvas. Uh, and then I remember when they released the get user media on Chromium, I was so happy because I could get the algorithms that was only applied for Canvas and actually do on videos. And that's how it started the library, based on these little pieces implemented on the web. So you said that when you were looking at the language, you chose JavaScript. Could you give us some indication why you chose JavaScript? I mean, for image processing, it's obviously not going to be the most popular language because it's you know not your classic computer science, scientific type language. So why choose JavaScript? Yeah, that's a very good question. First, I think JavaScript is a, a great language because one characteristics which is it can run in different devices and in different platforms without too much effort. Uh, but of course, we know JavaScript has a lot of performance issues. And those two things combined, the good part, which is portability, and the bad part, which is performance, made this project very challenging for me. And that was pretty much the, the idea to do. I would like to have something that was portable, and runs everywhere. You can write one-time code. It runs in devices, in cell phones, in notebooks. And also, I would like to have a very simple API because JavaScript, people are used to have simple APIs for doing complex things. Like jQuery is a good example of it. You can traverse down, you can do Ajax, you can do a lot of operations in our website with a very simple API. And why for computer vision, this was not true. In order to use OpenCV or OpenGL, it's very complicated. And Bringing those techniques to the web with a very simple API uh, was also another inspiration. So one thing that I'm wondering about, it looks like there are kind of two things here. So one is like the tag friends, or it'll pick a face out of the, the image or off your webcam. But then you've got like iron spheres and... It's augmented reality. Oh, I see. Yeah, so like if you move your head to the right, it detects it. It's mirrored, unfortunately, which I guess is the web API needs to have like mirrored equals true or something or like that. But if you turn your head to the right, it moves left. If you turn your head to the left, it moves right. If you move up, it goes down. If you move down very slowly, it goes up. It's like this AR realm. And the same thing with a racing car. Like you can take some blue tape, like blue masking tape, put it on a box that you've got laying on your desk and then move the box and it steers with the blue tape dots. Oh, I see. So the computer vision component is you're controlling the stuff with the computer vision stuff. The other, like the iron spheres or the actual race car are written with some other canvas library or something. Yeah, so those examples are examples how to apply 
those techniques to real applications, like to do augmented reality applications. And then we use 3JS to render the 3D part, and we control the coordinates and the operations we need to apply on 3JS based on the coordinates we extract from the world uh, using 3TrackingJS. Whoa! Leap motion controller. What is that? I, I've heard about that. Is that something that integrates with tracking JS? No, Leap Motion is a hardware. It's a hardware that you can apply plug to your computer and it extracts from the scene, the 3D scene, the coordinates of your hands, your fingers, and then you can control the computer using that. Yeah, okay. it's, it's really cool. So, so that's just part nice. of the Hex GL demo. That's not part of the tracking JS demo. Oh, uh, the HexGL demo you are seeing here, you don't need the you don't need the, the device. You can use some colors. If you have two colors there, if you have yeah. uh, blue and yeah, red, I, you can yeah, actually I see, play with it. Yeah, I see it has options for gamepad, keyboard, leap motion controller. So I guess APIs for the leap motion controller are built into Chrome? I mean, this is maybe a little off topic, but I'm curious since I'm, yeah. I'm seeing that on the demo here. It seems like you can install some plugin to access the leap motion API. In okay. this game, in this game, uh, we are only using the camera one to control. So right, which the, is the, the that's the wheels control. Yes. So this one is the one we implemented on top of this game. This game is from a guy Tiba Despolian. I don't know where he's from. So he got his game, and we applied these controls using tracking JS to control the car on the 3D scene. Oh, that is cool. I'm wearing a blue shirt, so I'm having a hard time with it because it. Yeah. That's actually a funny thing because the first presentation I, I made about tracking JS, I was thinking, what color should I pick in order to not conflict with any existing color in the nature, in, in the environment I'll be? And then I picked magenta. Magenta, I, you don't find magenta color very easily. And when I arrived into the event, all the theming and all the background of the event was magenta. And it was crazy because I didn't have any other object. I set up all my code by then to use magenta and it was like a nightmare. <laughs> you had to go get like a backdrop that was white or something. <laughs> yeah. Someone should hold some towel behind me or something. There you like. go. So you'd mentioned before the good parts about JavaScript, the bad parts, and you mentioned performance. Could you give us some idea about performance characteristics for this sort of thing? I mean, you specifically mentioned it running a phone, so I'm kind of interested. What's it like when it's running on a phone? How does it compare to like C++ libraries performance lot-wise? What kinds of things are really slow and difficult and what kind of things kind of work fairly fast even in the browser? Yes, very good question. I extracted some numbers for that few months ago, and it's getting a lot better. So do you see we have currently the object detection algorithms and the color detection algorithms. The object detection algorithms, we can reach very, very close to 50 to 60 FPSs when you have a low number of faces and frame size about 400 pixels width and to 300 height. So if you have a, a normal size for your camera captured on the web, the object tracker can apply to this scene in real time pretty much. It can uh, find your face, you, you can find your mouth in a very good amount. When you start adding more faces to the camera, let's say your friend joined the video, when you have two faces or two mouths, it starts to decrease the performance. And then my numbers showed me that until five faces, you can reach 25 frames per second, which is relatively good and it's considered real time still. When you go more, when you have like 10 faces, it's not good. It starts to get very slow. So when you have languages like JavaScript, you start to have these kind of problems. If you are in C or C++, maybe it will not be five faces. 
it's going to be 15 or 10. But in reality, on the web, we also have some advantages. Let's say we can predict where the face of the user is, how far the face is going to be from the notebook or from the computer. And this helps us to speed up the algorithms a little bit. So we may improve this even better at some point. The color detection is also very fast. The color detection uses an algorithm called fluid fill. And fluid fill just need to scan the image once in order to group all the colors it finds. And this, if the video frame is not very big, it's also very fast and very close to real time. One other thing that we realize is when you use JavaScript typed arrays, it helps a lot. We played around with very different uh, typed array elements, float, int, unassigned array, all of those kinds. And then we find whatever was best for the algorithms. Then we pick this instead of regular arrays. And we learned a lot of things that were crazy in this research. Because let's say you have a typed array and you have like all numbers inside this array. Some browsers, when you have a zero or that is not, for example, a float, or you have an undefined value mixed with the other values, your array becomes very, very slow. So we were like flagging an array with some information. Sometimes we put numbers, sometimes we put undefined. That's not a good idea. So it started to be very, very slow. So then we had to optimize all the arrays we have between the algorithms to be, if it's float arrays, only use float. If it's an assigned array, make sure you are doing an assigned numbers inside this array. We, we learned that by mistake. Other thing that we had to do in JavaScript, which you may not need to do in C or C++, is to optimize the multiplications, divisions, operations. Sometimes we had to replace division or a multiplication with some shift right, shift left operation binary that speed ups a lot as well. So yeah, I have to do all these tricky things in JavaScript in order to be decent. And it's not even close to C, but it's a beginning. Chrome is evolving a lot. Uh, now, the, the new Chrome version in a few weeks, it's going to have some very good improvements in Canvas. Uh, the way they talk to the GPU is going to be optimized, even for 2D contexts. And I'm pretty excited to, to keep testing these numbers and see how it goes in the future. So what about Firefox with ASMJS? SMJS? Yeah, do any of your optimizations, can they be applied to that? Do you know? I don't know this SMJS thing, Firefox... It's, uh. Um, oh, uh, ASMJS. I see. Uh, okay. I see what you mean. ASM, right? ASM, yeah. ASM. ASM. Yeah. Perfect. I misunderstood. Okay. ASMJS is a pretty nice project. Currently, we don't need to do any optimization using that in those algorithms, but definitely if you do, they're going to be very fast. Okay. I see all your examples. Do you know of websites on the web that are actually using this? Yes. I picked some links for you guys. Let me paste here. So there is this first one is burning head. <laughs> Some guy made this pretty useful demo, which you can record yourself. And in this recording, you can place GIF, animated GIF that burns your head. So you can save it and tweet it. So this is one example of this. The second one, there is a video, a YouTube video for this burning head as well. Yeah, you have to click allow on top of your browser to allow the camera to capture yourself. Now I have to try it. <laughs> yeah, try it out. Okay, I told it to record, convert to yeah. a GIF. Yeah, it just recorded me. I thought it was supposed to make my head on fire. No, it's your head. Just your head. Do you see your head on fire? Nope, I just see my face. Mm, you should see something like this. Check this second link here. This link is an example of this. There's music. We're going to hear it. You can go to the end of this video. Oh, there we go. That's funny. Yeah. And a second example. This guy created this 
example, to scan Nespresso capsules. Do you know this Nespresso, the Nespresso the machine, the coffee machine? No. Uh, Nespresso. It's like a machine to build coffee. And this machine has little capsules. And those capsules, they are different colors. It's the flavor of the coffee. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the second GIF here, I'm going to paste it again. This person created a, an application that runs on phone and also on the desktop. And this application can detect the capsule you are trying to figure out. And they give you all the information about that, like the color, the name, uh, the flavors. Very cool. So you just implemented some fairly well-known algorithms for this, right? Yeah. You didn't create your own? Yeah, and just to finalize, the last example is the slip knot. Slip knot band. Have you heard about this one? It's yeah, a the band slip that knot. Yeah, the guys wear like some masks. They released this website. It's a new album, and there is a... It's called The Great Chapter, and the album CD, they have this masks application that you can wear the singer masks on yourself and try it out. So if you go to this website that I pasted, there is a devil in I. You click in one of the band person, like Mick or Craig, and then it will ask you to allow your camera. So you allow your camera on Chrome or Firefox, and then you can wear the masks and take pictures of you wearing the masks of the singers. Huh. That's fun. I could see some fun things for kids and stuff, where you enable the camera and then it does fun stuff around them and things like that. Yeah, one other application that could could be useful is to do real time video editing. So, for instance, this video here that I'm going to paste the link for you. It's a video running, and you can extract from the scene yellow parts or magenta parts or green parts. So you can create like you can cut all the green background in, on my video and apply some nature or some different background if you want. Oh, so it's like a green screen except it's real time. Exactly. Yeah, this looks like something you could have a lot of fun with. Yeah, it's the demos in the website, they are very basic. So I'm curious to see what people are going to do with them at some point. So one thing that I'm wondering about a little bit is, are there any limitations to this as far as what platform you can run it on? Or do you see that it tends to work better with certain browsers or anything uh, like that? Currently, the algorithms works in any browser that support Canvas. So... If your browser has support for Canvas, which means IE9+, Plus, Firefox, 31+, Plus, Chrome, Safari, Opera, iOS in Safari, Android browser, Chrome for Android, all those browsers support Canvas already. And this means that you can apply those techniques to pictures, to Canvas and everything. When you go to video capturing, you rely on Get User Media. And Get User Media and the Stream API is only available, it's not still available on IE, and Safari. So Chrome, Firefox, Opera, all those browsers, even the Android browser has this. The Chrome for Android also has this, but IE and Safari doesn't capture your camera. So you can partially use Tracking.js in, in all browsers, but when it goes to capturing your videos, you need this spec to be on. Hmm. Good to know. Does it work on Chrome for iOS? Yes. This is interesting. I get different results in Firefox than in Chrome. Like it's detecting my image slightly differently. In which demo? In the F-Zero demo, the race car demo. Oh. Like before, it was detecting red on an image on the wall behind me, and now it's detecting red on my face. Yeah. What's on so your face? My nose. 
<laughs> it's it's yeah. actually putting a nose, like a little clown nose. Yeah, the color algorithms has this characteristics to be very sensitive. So sometimes when your light situation changes or... Oh, maybe maybe the position of the sun is a little bit different than 10 minutes ago when yes, I was trying. Yes, exactly. So it captures everything like this. So when you use those techniques to do something real, you have to start applying different techniques to make sure it doesn't get very sensitive. So for example, when you detect a face, before detect the face, blur the image a little bit, it's better. Oh, so, interesting. Yes, things like that. So then we don't combine things like this because this depends on how you are applying your techniques to create your virtual augmented reality or virtual application. So then we leave it free. You have to start playing around, combine techniques to see what makes sense or not to be together and so forth. Yeah, but that happens. So I was going to ask about running this on Node.js. Yes. I guess it would work a little bit differently because you don't have the canvas element to work off of. Um, yeah. Does it still work, or are you better off using a library that's compiled against OpenCV? No, it works. So, And we are already using this in some internal projects that we upload all the pictures from the users, and we have a scheduled task that, using Node.js, grabs all the pictures and indexes the faces of all the users. So then you can do, like, Facebook tag friends. And in Node, you don't have Canvas. So because you don't have canvas, you cannot easily track an image that you draw inside this canvas. Then you apply Tracking.js to give you the faces. But the API of Tracking.js is very separate, is decoupled. So the techniques you can use applying arrays of pixels instead of the canvas itself. So you can, using Node, read the image's pixels. There are many libraries to do that. And you get these image pixels and invoke the low-level algorithms in Tracking.js to extract your direct tangles for the faces. So our tests are doing like that. The way we test the API is also in Node. We fake these arrays manually in order to apply the algorithm, but you can actually use those libraries to extract from real images and use them. Where was this when I was in college? My senior project was that we had to build a robot. It had a camera mounted on top, and it would basically follow a a marked path with white on both sides across the lawn. And so it had to be able to see that the path turned and then follow the path. Anyway, if the white on both sides disappeared, it had to go straight until it found the path further on. And so it couldn't deviate or anything else, which was interesting in different sunlight and, and things like that. But anyway, this yeah. this would have been really handy for that because we were writing a lot of stuff by hand to try and get it to work. Yes, I, I know what you mean. There is also in, in Tracking.js a tracker interface, which is perfect for what you just described. This tracker interface gives you all the low-level infrastructure to only require from the developer to implement one single method that loops the array, find whatever he wants, and returns. And then you can implement custom trackers like the one you described very easily. Uh, in the documentation page, trackingjs.com slash talks, they have uh, one example of using the tracker interface. Very nice. So do you have to know much about how the algorithms work in order to build apps on Tracking.js? Or do you just say, I care about colors that look like this, or I'm, I'm looking for a head and if it tilts this way, or things like that? Yeah, in Tracking.js, you don't need to know the algorithms in order to use them. And this was also one of the inspirations for this library. I didn't understand why... 
everything in computer vision when I got to the university was so complicated to use. And I said that I need to build something that people don't need to spend three weeks learning how biology works or how to track some color. I just want them to use and have fun with that. And TrackingJS provides you a very simple interface. So, for example, when you tell TrackingJS to find some faces in a video or a canvas or even an image, what TrackingJS gives you is one event, a track event that fires. So, like, you just listens for tracking.on track, and it gives a data payload, and this payload gives you rectangles, so four coordinates mm-hmm. for face. So if you have like three of those, it means you have three faces. So it's very easy. If you are tracking colors, exactly the same interface. It fires a track event. This track event gives a data payload. And this data payload gives you coordinates for the colors found. And also the color and everything. So you don't. You don't need to know them. Now, can you define something that's not a face that you want it to find in the same way that you find faces? So, for example, if I was looking for particular, I don't know, particular letters on the screen or a particular word, if I wanted to use image capture for that, I don't know why, but, you you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, for example, when you try to find, for example, a word, that depends on what you uh, have on this word. For instance, if you have a color on this word, I would recommend you to use the color track instead, the object detection, because the object detection is more complex to found the objects than the color. So you can also use one of these little techniques that we have like the feature detection and the feature description, which means it can find information on the scene that varies very low. So for uh, example, if you have different frames, they will always find the same points. So you can use the same points you found between the frames of the your video to understand that is the word you are trying to find. But if you want really to train the object detection to find any object, you, can, uh, you have to use some other library because the training part of Viologons is a totally different algorithm which OpenCV implements. And if you get OpenCV, you can position some object in front of the camera for a few seconds and do some movements that they ask you to do. And this will output an XML. And this XML is the training that they extracted from this recording. Like say you want to train a pen. You get your pen or your pencil and you start moving around the camera. So those coordinates are going to be extracted into this training data. And TrackingJS understands this training data. So you can import that inside TrackingJS and then use on the web your new training. That was clear? or Yeah, mostly. Yes. It is a little bit complicated, I think. But yeah, what I kind of gathered was that, you know, it's easier to track things if they're colored differently or, you know, have some other defining feature other than just the shape of the letters. You know, if you're going to be doing, you know, word recognition, then you're probably better off finding something that kind of is good at word recognition. But if that word is going to be a different color every time it occurs, then tracking JS can find it and identify it and all that stuff. Yes. And the object tracker, which is uh, available on TrackJS, uses Viola Jones algorithms. So that's why I was mentioning Viola Jones and OpenCV stuff, mm-hmm. because uh, when you use object detection, object tracker, you are actually using Viola Jones algorithm. And this means you can use any training data for this algorithm to inject inside TrackingJS, and TrackingJS will find them. So if I had like if I had a video of my son or a video of race cars or something like that, then 
then I could say, you know, I care about, you know, the red car or, you know, my son is wearing a blue shirt. And so it'll identify all of the kids out on the basketball court with blue shirts. Yeah. This example you gave currently is easy to do. You need to track this video and say, I want the blue color. And this will find all the rectangles of the blue colors found. And then you can loop through them and do some painting or remove the t-shirts off the kids and do things like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like you could uh, have a little bit of fun with this. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of anything else that I should ask about this. So are these techniques the same kinds of techniques that like Google Effects on the Google Hangouts use? Yes, they are similar. Google Hangouts, they combine two techniques in order to find and place masks on you. Uh, like I said, the example of the image before detective faces, you can combine other kind of algorithms. So there is one algorithm that is very famous because it speed ups your detection, which basically is when you find some point, let's say I want to track your nose. So I just click on your nose with the mouse. And when you start moving your face, the videos of the frames gives you an optical flow that makes sense. So this makes sense means I can find it. So I can use these optical flow techniques that are very fast to follow your nose. But what's the problem with using only these techniques? It's because after some point, it loses precision. It will start to not point to your nose, it will point, for example, to your cheek or your eye because it's not very precise. It's not very smart. It just uses the flow of the video to follow. But this is very good because you can combine this with a face detection. So let's say you do a face detection that find exactly where your face is. But I don't need to do every frame because when I do every frame, spending computer without need. So I can combine for each five frames, I will find your real face. And between those five frames, I will only go in the flow using the optical flow. So this gives you more smooth tracking. So currently TrackJS doesn't have optical flow. It's actually per frame finding your face, which is very heavy. It's not like how people does, but the algorithm is available for you. You can combine with other techniques and make, for example, to detect only after 10 frames or 15 frames. So it's up to you to use. And in Google Hangouts, they find your face very little and they use this optical flow to follow where your face is going. That's why when you move very fast using Google Hangouts, the masks doesn't go exactly in the right moment. It goes like being attracted magnetically to your face if you start moving that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've played with that and it does. It kind of follows your face as opposed to staying on your face. Yeah, because they do that to be faster. Well, I don't know if I have any more questions. Do you guys have any other questions, AJ and Joe? I guess I was kind of curious if while you were building this and doing your research and all the other stuff that you've obviously been around this, did you have you seen anything that other libraries may have done, other implementations that haven't really been done yet on the web, but they're just too big and you haven't had time to do it, but you're excited to see somebody else put that together? Yeah, there is some examples. There is one very famous library called AR2Kit. And this library is in C, actually, or C++, something like this. And some guy made a port for the web. It's called FLAR2Kit. The port this guy made uses Flash. And another guy got this FLAR2Kit in Flash and ported to JS R2Kit. So they ported from C to Flash, Flash to JavaScript. And there is this project which gives you marker tracking. What means is you can use fiducial markers in the scene. Don't know when you see these real augmented reality examples. They have these 
black squares or patterns that people print in order to track or to position some element on top of it. So this library is specialized on these kind of trackers. It's a 2D marker tracker. And this was the first one I saw on the web in the past. And I got very excited. I found it very nice. But again, it was hard to use and it was only supporting marker, fiducial markers tracking, which I didn't like too much. I would like to have something more realistic, like you position some color or your face or any object. And I use those informations that are nature in the scene to extract information. There is other one, which is far to kids one. There is another one. Yeah, this one is called Unifier Viewer but it closed source from a company called Metaio. This was used on the General Electric's uh, campaign, marketing campaign, a few years ago, where you can position some magazine in front of your computer, and General Electric's positioned some 3D scene uh, with some electric components on top of it. So this was another example that runs on the web, and it was pretty popular in the past, but this one is closed source. Yeah, other than that, I don't know many others. Cool. I do have one other question. If somebody was like interested in this and wanted to just try screwing around, but you know, wanted to like something very basic, besides just tutorials, do you have any suggestions for like an interesting little project that could be done in just a short amount of time to kind of learn and play around with the tracking JS? Right. So in the tracking JS repo, the examples folder, we have around 15 to 20 examples. And those examples try to be a little bit realistic. So, for example, when it finds a color, it plots some rectangle or something on top of this color. So if you go to the TrackingJS GitHub, which will pass, I'll paste the link as well as trackinggithub.com, Eduardo Lundgren TrackingJS, you can find inside the examples folder, things like that. You can also check this burning head demo from this guy that he built using TrackingJS, Conrad Desnuil. His name is kind of complicated, but I will put the links on the pics later. And you can use these open source example to see how he integrates with the face tracker. But other than that, I don't have. But feel free to any of, of you that are listening or from here, if you are, want to play and have some questions or suggestions, how can I show more demos or examples that will help you to build stuff on top of it? Let me know. Awesome. Good answer. This definitely looks like something I want to play with. I don't know if I will have time to play with it. but Anyway, well, let's go ahead and do the picks. Joe, do you want to start us with picks? Oh, I have to be first, huh? Yes, I will do my picks. So last week, I think on the Adventures in Angular show, I picked a book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And I want to pick that book again. I've read a lot more of it, and I just found it to be super, super eye-opening as far as the purpose and value of being a father if you have daughters. And it's one of those books I feel like if you have a daughter you absolutely should read this book. It should be required reading for anybody who has a daughter to read. It's written by a medical doctor who spent her entire career dealing with teens and all the corroborating statistical evidence. Just a really awesome book about being a father. So I really liked it. It wasn't a very religious book. It was more of a practical book, but still filled with good advice about being a father and raising daughters. So that's going to be my first pick. And my second pick is going to be a board game. It's actually a card game, and it's called Munchkin Loot Letter, which is actually a variation of another game called Love Letter. It's a great game, very fun, two to four people. Love Letter was sort of a... They just wanted a different take on it, so they produced a version that uses the Munchkin property and 
or IP and has some funny different names and changed the card names around. It's pretty much the same game, but it's kind of got a more funny feel to it. But it's a super fun game, easy to learn. You can play around in like five minutes or something, plays up to like five people. And it's just a super fun game. Great game for when you've just got a little short amount of time and a few people that want to play it, a fun game. So that'll be my second and final pick. Awesome. AJ, what are your picks? So to start off, I'm going to pick the same book that like 10 other people have picked because after nine other people picked it, I finally bought it and started reading it. And that is Ready Player One. It is a page turner. I'm a person who only likes certain books that are really good. <laughs> and this is one of them. I'm all the way to like chapter 10 after just a couple hours of reading it on a couple evenings. I'm also going to pick Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, and the Nintendo 3DS. The Nintendo 3DS, because it actually does 3D without glasses in a way that is kind of cool. And the games utilize the 3D in a way that it it actually enhances the experience. Like, the depth perception is more clear. It's easier to tell, like, where there might be a little hidden area or or something like that because of the depth perception. And, and they do things that I... It's basically, like, maybe as powerful as the Nintendo 64, but the way they use the 3D elements to enhance the gameplay are, are just very Nintendo-esque, in it, and I, I like it. And I like Zelda A Link Between Worlds because it takes me back to my glory days of the Super Nintendo, but with a different storyline. And so I haven't gotten quite that far yet because I just wanted to explore the map and find like all the little hidden places where I could put bombs and walls and whatever. But it's it's a very fun game. And if you liked the Super Nintendo, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, then you will probably also very much enjoy The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. And I just love Nintendo. I think they're the best game company. That is all. Awesome. I just have to like plus one all those picks. I still need to read Ready Player One. Anyway, so I've got some picks. The first one is a new show that I've kind of picked up. It's called Life on Fire by Nick Unsworth. He's just got a ton of great content, interviews some terrific people on there. And so I've really been enjoying it. And they actually had a bundle that you could pick up where you got a whole bunch of training. And all the money went to basically a school in Guatemala to build a school. And so it it was kind of a cool deal because you could give the money to them and it went to a good cause and you got all this awesome stuff back. So I'm not sure if that bundle is still available, but uh, Life on Fire is just, it's been great to listen to. I've really been enjoying the content there. I'm also in the middle of reading a book called In the Plex, which is about Google and how Google got started, which is really interesting. And it's... The thing that I find inspiring about it is that basically it started off as kind of a mental exercise and then turned into something really handy. And I just can't, I don't know what else to say about it other than that it's just been interesting to see how it grew and, and kind of where the company went and the decisions they made and the things that they valued. And so, um, so yeah, so I really have been enjoying that. One other thing I want to uh, just put out there is that I am looking for work. So if you have contract work that you need some help with, then I am available for that, mostly Thursday and Friday. I'm not completely out of work, but I I am looking for like two days worth of work during the week. So anyway, if you have that, then feel free to give me a call or send me an email. My email is chuck at devchat.tv, and my phone number is 801-367-6164. And uh, I don't know how smart that is to give that out on the show, but I trust our listeners to not abuse me, I guess, my phone number. So anyway, 
but yeah, that's that's what I, I've got. I hope you don't trust the panelists. <laughs> you already have my phone number, so does AJ. <laughs> Not so worried there. If it, something was going to happen, it, w- it would have already happened. Well, now you gave me the idea. Darn it. All right, Eduardo, what are your picks? Yeah, yeah I have one pick only, which is one book that I read a few years ago when I, I was building Tracking.js, which helped me a lot to think about how to make this simple, how to create this easy for people to use because computer vision is not so attractive for people when you go to code. It's it's kind of scares developers when they play with. And this book helped me to keep this simplicity idea. It's called The Laws of Simplicity by John Maeda. And this is the link here. And it's good because it shows some good points. For example, when you try to make anything, it doesn't need to be softer, simple. You need to start shrinking things from it. You need to start, like I don't know, if it's a design, you need to start shrinking parts of this design until a certain point that doesn't compromise the number of features it has. And then when you reach this point, you have to hide the rest. So when you cannot shrink, you have to hide. And this is very, very simple. You have to make sure that the quality is very high because when some mistake is made on a simple application or a simple design, it's most noticeable. And then when it's a very large, very chaotic application. So then when we make it simple, make it with a lot of quality. And simple is not different than complex. So we should also make sure that we still have complex parts on our system. And those parts can be hidden. So yeah, it's a combination of different tips that most of us have thought already or uh, have heard someone tell. But it's good because it combines everything in the same book. It's a very small book. You can read very fast during a flight or something. Yeah, that's my pick for today. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, and thanks for all the work that you and the other folks that have worked on this tracking JS have done. It looks like just a fun thing to build stuff on. Yeah, and it's just the beginning. It's the first version. We still have to dedicate more time to get feedback from users and so forth, yeah. But thanks for having me here in the show. Thanks, Guillermo, to recommend me to be here. I'm very happy to be participating on this. All right. Well, I don't think we have any other announcements, so we'll wrap up the show and we'll catch you all next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit cachefly.com to learn more. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests.